Hey everybody, and welcome to this episode of On Set with Errol Koenig. I'm Errol Koenig. Today we have an awesome guest, Ricardo Mendez Mata. Ricardo is an assistant director. He has worked on such TV shows as Heart of Dixie, Homeland, and currently Happen Leonard. He has also worked on films such as A Better Life and The Lost City. In this episode, we talk about what responsibility he has as an assistant director, and also how he got a start in the industry through the Directors Guild of America Assistant Director Trainee Program. Now here is my interview with Ricardo Mendez Mata. Thank you so much, Ricardo, for being here today. Thank you. Um, so please introduce yourself and tell me what you do. Well, my name is Ricardo Mendez Mata. I uh, work in Los Angeles, uh, mostly as a first assistant director. I've been there for 30-something years now. I first went to USC Film School, then got into the assistant director's training program, and have been an AD ever since. Okay. Um, so kind of describe your process when you are on a movie set, uh, both on a daily basis and also you know, long-term over the course of a movie. Well, um, just to be clear, uh, most of what I do is a, a television series, although I've done uh, quite a few movies. Uh, but really, the process is the same on, on both. Um, on a daily basis, it's hard to describe because it changes whether you're prepping or you're shooting. Um, but if you look at a project from the very beginning, uh, basically what happens is somebody gives me a script and says, listen, we want to do this uh, on these dates and you got these many days and this is how we want to do it. Can this, can this be done? And I do a breakdown. I take it scene by scene, break down all the elements that are needed, whether it's actors or props or picture cars or effects or whatever. And then I do a schedule. And usually I have to revise that schedule because something is not available when I scheduled it, actors or locations or whatever. But working together with the line producer um, and or the unit production manager, we come up with a schedule that we think, you know, hey, this, you know, this is doable. Um, mm -hmm. Then we uh, crew it up, do all the casting, do scouting, pick locations, etc. Working obviously with the director. And then we go shoot it. Uh, and when we go from prepping to shooting, my role goes from planner to, um, it's almost like a foreman at a construction site. I, mm -hmm. I, I run the shoot. And inevitably, no matter how wonderful your plan was, something will change. Uh, somebody will be late. Somebody will get sick. It'll rain. Or it could be something positive, like somebody comes up with a better idea and there's a new rewrite and it's mm -hmm. you know, the movie's better, but now your schedule's no good. Um, so I'm constantly changing things, adapting because we ran late or the sun set on us or it rained or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it's ne never boring. <laughs> always interesting, always challenging. So you mentioned that you worked on both TV and movies. Um, so what would you say, uh, from an assistant directing perspective, is the biggest difference? Well, um, unquestionably, the fact that on a movie you have more time and more money. Mm -hmm. These days, it's becoming the only difference. And I say these days because, um, you know, maybe 30 years ago or something... Television shows wouldn't dare attempt to reach mm -hmm. the, the quality level of a feature, but now it's expected. Um, when you look at any of these hit shows, whether it's on the traditional networks or on HBO or, or Netflix or whatever, the quality is really high. The cinematography, the set design, the acting, the costumes, everything. Um, 
it didn't used to be that way. TV had a little bit of a cheesy look sometimes. Uh, can't afford that anymore. Everything has to look fantastic, which mm -hmm. makes it really hard to do it on a limited time and budget. Okay. So you've worked on a bunch of great projects, you know, from Happen Leonard most recently, Heart of Dixie, um, all the way back to, you know, early days working, you know, in Weird Science and whatnot. Um, so what would you say is your either your proudest or your favorite experience that you've had as an assistant director? Well, I had many. Um, uh, I mean, I had moments where I, uh, right out of film school, I worked uh, for one day um, for Orson Welles. And it was nothing. I was uh, really a model. They were photographing me on this video test, but there was Orson Welles. Mm -hmm. You know, that's hard to top. Yeah. Uh, I worked on a movie for British director Ken Loach, who works in a very different style, very bold filmmaker. That was a wonderful experience. Recently, I did a movie called uh, A Better Life with Chris Weitz and uh, Demian Bichir, the Mexican actor. And that was a wonderful experience. But, you know, Heart of Dixie was a fantastic experience. It's a show that perhaps not as many people saw, like, for example, uh, Homeland or Happen mm -hmm. Leonard that I just did. But um, Harder Dixie had a wonderful bunch of people behind and in front of the cameras. Yeah. And it was a really great experience. I got to direct a couple of them. And I was really sorry that show ended. Yeah. Um, so you just mentioned that you uh, started, uh, did some directing as well. Can you talk about your transition from assistant directing to directing? Yeah. Uh, it's something I uh, tell students a lot. Uh, there's many ways to become a director. One of them is the route that I ended up taking, which is uh, getting a below-the-line job where you can work shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder with showrunners on television and mm -hmm. gain their confidence. Because really, when it comes to uh, a showrunner hiring a director on television, it's all, it's all about who is this person, can I trust them, are they reliable, You know, do they get it? So when you're working on a TV show as a cinematographer, script supervisor, first AD, editor, something like that where you are shoulder to shoulder, literally, with the showrunner after a couple of years, they know that they trust you. Mm -hmm. um, but even then, it's still hard to talk people, hey, give me a break at directing. And my very first break at directing on a series called Weird Science, uh, the producers were good friends of mine. They'd seen a short film that I'd done. I mean, everything about it was positive, but it was still very hard to talk everybody yeah. into giving me a break. And I only got it because the director I had been prepping with had to bail out. It's very mm -hmm. tough to get a uh, directing assignment. Yeah. Uh, so talk a little bit about how your experience as an assistant director has influenced your directing. I guess it kind of inevitably does, uh, mostly in a positive manner. A lot of times when people see that the AD is going to direct, they think, oh, we're going to be wrapping by lunch because up to then, um, all you've been talking and thinking about is efficiency. So they yeah. think that's all you're going to do as a director. But of course, you know, my love of film uh, overcame any <laughs> any uh, desire or, or to be efficient, I wanted the movie to be good. Mm -hmm. The trick is to do both. You can't just do one. Now, when I'm the assistant director, I let the director worry about making the show good, and I worry about making it efficient, and together we end up with a great you know, half and halfer. Uh, when I'm the director, um, I combine both. I don't rely exclusively on my first AD to see how can I do this efficiently. I'm thinking about how can I do this efficiently. Mm -hmm. And it was very helpful that way. But it also made it tough, especially with actors who had worked with me as an AD before. Because they looked at me like I was almost speaking Chinese. They're just not used to me talking to them about emotion mm -hmm. and character and things like that. But 
um, overall, I think it was a, a positive thing. Okay, so uh, back it up to where you got your start in the industry. You mentioned you did the assistant uh, director's program. Can you talk about you know how you got your start? Yeah, uh, really, it's a, it was a series of accidents. Uh, I was a pre-med in Puerto Rico, and I got interested in writing film criticism, so I decided to be a film critic, and I applied to USC Film School for history criticism, and through a mistake, either theirs or mine, I ended up in the as a production major, mm -hmm. and I decided... You know, this is a mistake, but let me give it a shot, you know? And boom, I liked it. So then uh, through a series of accidents, I ended up working in the equipment room and I learned all the camera equipment. So people saw me as a cinematographer and I enjoyed cinematography. So I thought, okay, I'm a, I'm a director of photography. Mm -hmm. um, but then again, through an accident, a friend of mine, Kevin Reynolds, ends up directing a movie called Fandango and he hires me as a PA. And it was a union movie, and the camera people said, no, you can't work with us. But the second AD said, well, you can work with me. You can be my production assistant. So I ended up doing that, which I did not want to do. But he was a great uh, second assistant director, Bob Rowe. He, he's a great first assistant director now. So I learned that, and I said, oh, this is good. So I started working non-union, did a lot of music videos. I did the Talking Heads and the Go-Go's and Joe Walsh. And then through a... Um, girlfriend's dare I took the test for the assistant director's training program I mm -hmm. really wasn't that interested in it but she dared me to take it to see who would score higher and then we both got in both she and I got in now that relationship only lasted a month but it changed my life uh, because I loved assistant directing and I took off and you know here I am now almost 30 years later looking at retirement okay uh, so would you recommend a similar path you know for a young filmmaker today to you know, either do a training program like that or get, you know, find some way to get, you know, your film education first, like, like you had at USC, and then enter the industry that way? Well, you know, uh, it really uh, depends on the individual and who are you and what is mm -hmm. your background and what do you want to do. But just generally speaking, if you are interested in becoming a producer, a unit production manager, a studio executive, an AD, or anything like that, the assistant director's training program is by far, no comparison, the better way to go. You learn quickly, you meet a lot of people very quickly, and your, your career just takes off. Uh, now, if you want to be a director, a writer-director, I do not recommend that people do what I did. I did it because it was the only thing that was available to me. Mm -hmm. But um, these days, you're much better off trying to do your own short film, even if you do it with your phone. I think a lot of time, uh, young filmmakers uh, worry that they don't have like the quality equipment or they don't have enough lighting. Or, and in truth, people who are evaluating these short films are looking for ability to tell stories, and they really don't care if it's shot poorly or cut poorly. Uh, they're looking for ability to tell stories. And if you have that, you should make a short film. If you're a writer, you should write a script. You know, people mm -hmm. will read your script. Maybe you can talk them into letting you direct it. There's, there's many other much better ways to get to the directing than the way I did it. Okay. Um, so I guess two more questions as we wrap up. Uh, as an assistant uh, director, and I guess also a director too, uh, what are a couple must-see movies for you know, a film student uh, or a filmmaker um, that they should watch? You know, and what makes them so great? Well, that's another tough one. Uh, but Citizen Kane jumps to mind. I remember watching that as a little kid in TV dubbed in Spanish, and I was just blown away by the graphic design and mm -hmm. the camera movement. And, the, and it's a movie that really holds up very well today. Um, I would recommend that one. And um, I'm a softie also for uh, The Seven Samurai, Akira Kurosawa. Um, he, I think... Um, really put together the ability to to make a fun action movie with a humanist 
you know, a profound point of view, which very few make, uh, very few filmmakers can can do together, mm -hmm. like Akira Kurosawa. He might be my favorite. Okay, uh, and uh, what advice would you give for a young filmmaker or film student entering the industry? Well, again, you know, depends on what stage you're at and exactly where are you. But uh, what I do. Uh, the main advice, I guess, is you have to learn about movie making and you have to meet people who are working in the movies can help you get a job. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean some bigwig somewhere. I mean like a potential roommate who's working as a PA on a little movie and they bring you on. Anything that can get you uh, working. So... Um, Film school is a great place to learn about movies. Simply watching movies is a great way to learn uh, mm -hmm. about movies. Uh, but I would also recommend that they either attend a very good film school or move to a production center, a place where movies are being made. So if you're living, you know, in Akron, Ohio, or Tallahassee, Florida, or mm -hmm. something like that, um, you got to pack up a move. Uh, go somewhere where people are making movies. And I would recommend people to, if they can, you know, in a perfect world, try and go to school or try and move to the city where you envision yourself living 30 years from now. Mm -hmm. Because um, getting jobs is all about getting people to know you and trust you, and there's no point in developing all the networks and friends in a city and then moving to another one and try and get a job where yeah. nobody knows you. So... I guess that's it. Learn as much about filmmaking as you can in any way that you can and can afford and go move to where you see yourself working in the movies later. Okay. Hey, well, thank you so much, Ricardo. Really thank appreciate you. it. All right, Errol. That was my interview with Ricardo Mendez Mata. Thanks so much for Ricardo for participating on my podcast. And for all you listeners, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on set.